Hey, Shipper City. Thanks for listening. Before we jump into the episode, do me a favor and consider tapping that support this podcast link in your favorite podcast player. Every little bit helps us stay on the air and keeps us creating the content that you love. Be sure to follow along on social. We are on Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at iShipItPod. You can head over to the website, iShipItPod.com, to sign up for email updates when new episodes are released. And you can send us emails at iShipItPod at gmail.com. And remember to rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to and tell your friends that you ship it. So take a second, do all of that while you enjoy a word from our sponsors. Thor ate a lot of Pop-Tarts in these fanfics. It is a hot garbage fire. Do you not know what sex pollen is? I mean, phantom seed. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't care. I ship it. I don't care. I ship it. Hey there, geek girls, geek boys, and geeks beyond the binary. This is Emily J with the I Ship It podcast, your safe space on the internet for fan fiction, fandom, and all that stuff you've been pretending you're not reading on your phones. Hello, friends. I am back in Shipper City with a special guest today. Uh, joining us for the third time, I believe, is Miss Brittany. Hello, Shipper City. It is the third time. Oddly, I am still just as anxious. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> uh, we'll be nice to you, Briz. We've been nice to you in the past. There's, no, there's never far. been any threat of drawing and quartering if you if you. Sp- miss up you know misstep or misspeak or like your your host who can't put a sentence together it's very um, true everyone's been very nice and welcoming <laughs> well good i'm glad that they've been kind to you and uh in your your backstreet boys episode is still a lot of people's absolute favorites of all of the all of the episodes that i've ever done so oh that's so sweet i love right? that episode too i listen to it quite often it's very it's, funny it's really fun <laughs> It's a, it's such a niche fandom that we we dialed it on there. <laughs> it is for really, sure. Really, like women in their late twenties and early thirties are pretty much the only people who could get on board with that one. <laughs> but it was a uh, it was a good time. It was. But we are not talking about uh, Backstreet Boys today. We are talking about mm-hmm. um, another formative influence that also starts with B. Um, I've hinted about this, and I'm really excited that you're back, so we can we can actually do a little deep dive. We were talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> everyone's <laughs> favorite '90s girl vampire fighting. Oh my god, person that was right? so bad. <laughs> <laughs> if if I ever made Jared Cutter edit anything, I would tell him to cut that out, but I'm not going to. So sorry. <laughs> um, everybody's favorite '90s vampire slaying girl. You are correct. Uh, that is who Buffy is. Um, the show I want to say debuted in 1996, and it went for seven years. It tried to be done after five, and nobody let it die. <laughs> fair no one's let it die since either (laughs) that's true it just kept it going forever buffy is the slayer that can't die despite have us having watched her die twice at least well she actually can't um yeah so yeah also uh sarah michelle geller posted on instagram back in january i believe briz you're the one that shared this with me that whatever day it was, was Buffy's 40th birthday. Ugh. And I was like, well, <laughs> I guess it's time for an eye cream. <laughs> oh my God. I feel quite old. 
dear lord it's time to stop start shopping for skincare products that are pro-retinol and um and anti-aging because holy shit that makes me feel really old um if you're cool i would like to just kind of jump into our, our personal histories with buffy how old were you when you started watching buffy? so so i did not watch it um live like when it was on okay. tv i don't think ever at all i actually started watching it because i came it was in college for sure because okay. i came home for one break early on and the first season was on dvd and in my house and i had no idea why but i was like <laughs> all right i'll watch this then um, and so i did and then i got like seasons two and three for easter and like mm -hmm. just kept going from there i remember that I remember when you got seasons two and three for Easter. Yeah, it was very exciting. It was the most <laughs> exciting Easter basket I've probably ever had. Um, and I, I, I think I, I feel like I took a break. Like I stopped watching after. Oh, you know what? I just remembered. You are very much entangled with my with my love of Buffy and with my Buffy history, much like my Backstreet Boys history, because. I had stopped watching after season five and I'd heard like it stopped watching it live after season mm -hmm. five because I had heard that they brought her back and I was like, but the, but her ending was so good. Like, why would they do that? Mm. And you were like, oh, no, no, but season six is when Willow goes crazy. And I was like, what? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Willow's not going to go crazy. Um, wrong. She did. But we were – I remember we – you and I took a lot of road trips in college. We drove mm -hmm. a lot. Just when I think about where we got the money for gas money. I mean, like, it's phenomenal considering I could not drive for a decent portion of, <laughs> portion of college. How often I got to go on road trips. I just like, I think about that. I'm like, I just swiped my debit card and was like, well, I hope there's money in here. Like it was like a <laughs> gift card I found at the bottom of my purse. Like, well, I'll try this one. We'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. we Just one of the many times we were on uh, Interstate 80, <laughs> probably <laughs> driving 600 miles for a different kind of Chinese food. Um, but you basically laid out the entire rest of the series arc, so seasons six and seven for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but I, I like – now I know what happens. Do I need to watch them? And I think it was like a matter of like doing a massive U-turn. And you were like, yes, we're going home and we're going to watch them right now. And I was like, okay. And I think it was just another one of those weekends where you had six and seven on DVD as well. Mm -hmm. And we just we just marathoned the whole thing together. Yeah. And I nice. had no intent to watch Angel. That was all you're doing. And I think we got them from like when Netflix had DVDs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when the internet used to come in the mail. <laughs> I don't know how bad it would be if, it, if Netflix was still like that. Oh my gosh. Oh my, can, you, can you even imagine? Everyone would be fighting over the Bridgerton DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think we got them. We got Angel from Netflix. Uh huh. Yeah, because that that had been my jam in high school. I I gave it up on Buffy and I I started watching Angel, and I loved Angel so much. But we are not talking about Angels today. I have to remind myself. Like I was thinking about things I wanted to talk about. I'm like, no, that happened on Angel, not on. <laughs> no, that's okay. Streams after season three. Um, 
but yeah, so we were talking about Buffy today. So you only wa- you started watching it in college and you you had like a uh a, a whole kind of deep dive binge situation. Yes. Like a slow binge because I had no money, so I had to wait for someone to bestow <laughs> the rest of the seasons on me. Yes. Um, but I do have a very clear memory of the first time I heard someone talking about it. It was in seventh grade. Uh-huh. science class and there was this girl that got this ring and she kept talking about how it was what angel gave to buffy and i was oh like oh my god who are these horribly <laughs> named people like i know Worst this is names. a large school but there is no <laughs> way that i am unaware of angel and buffy my classmates <laughs> so, <laughs> so what is going on and then of course i now know it's the clotta i mm-hmm. similarly wore the one that someone in my family had given me when yes. i was watching that period of Buffy Mm -hmm. but I have no idea why I have such a clear memory of that and I did then end up finding it was out it was a television show and not (laughs) these unknown ridiculously named (laughs) classmates um I you know what then the the character names were one of those things that did stick with me first Mm -hmm. because I I had heard I think it was like on on MTV or something so I was probably yes probably in sixth grade And, um, there was some like, you know, young, hot TV stars, you know, pool party or something. And the host was probably like Carson Daly or whatever, because like I said, it is time for a pro retinol eye cream, uh, Carson Daly or Tara Reid or somebody who was like, I'm here with, I'm going to say it's Carson Daly, then I'm going to talk like Tara Reid. So just imagine that. I'm here with the stars of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We have Buffy and Xander and Willow and Oz. And I was like, what? Who the fuck named these people? What are these words she's saying? These are names? What? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it's funny that that Buffy never got a full first name. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, we never found out if Buffy was short for something. Actually, we did find out that Buffy was not short for anything. Yeah. Joyce is such a reasonable person. And then she named her child Buffy. Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) I think the idea of of someone named Buffy being this, like, badass demon Uh fighting girl is really cool. So I like that part of it. But I Mm -hmm. cannot imagine Joyce, reasonable human being that she is, being like, Buffy is for sure it. Yeah. Joyce, Joyce Summers, art gallery, art historian, art gallery owner, art historian, you know, strong single mom (laughs) being like holding her baby girl for the first time being like, I shall call you Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It just doesn't. It never. It never. I was like, someday they're going to say that her full name's like Elizabeth or something. And that's going to be weird because Buffy is not. I don't even know if Buffy's a name, a nickname for Elizabeth. Um, But someday we're going to find out what it is. And then it turned out that, no, it was always just. just, Always just. Just Buffy Ann. Buffy. But that's okay. (laughs) Anyway. um, So when you started watching it, when you were doing your slow binge, um, what was there like a, was there one character that, that jumped out to you and like spoke to you first so that you had a connection with? Oh, for sure. Willow. Yes. Because I'm like still the most awkward person alive, but back (laughs) then was also the most awkward person alive. And I feel like 
had I had a nerdy, weird boy best friend, I would have been obsessed with him. Like, well, yes. like I just felt the most like her. And I, I always thought like if there was some kind of folklore creature, whatever I could be, I would want to be a witch. Like everything about her appealed to me the whole series through, I yes. think. Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, I was, I was drawn to Willow first. Uh, Willow and Xander was my first, like, I was, I shipped that very hard. Oh, me too. Watch it. It was, it was one of the first experiences I ever had where something that I had shipped became canon Mm -hmm. for a second. (laughs) True. I'm happy it wasn't canon the entire time though. Oh, I, I think about how upset I was when I was 11, when I watched that happen in real time. Because I was so excited and I was like, oh, my God, they're finally going to get together. I love them so much. Ah! And I wasn't like reading or writing fic or anything at the time, but I was very into those two being together. Because when I was 11, I really didn't think that there was any greater height to romance than falling in love with your best friend. Yeah, I get um, that. It's it's a very sweet idea. And, but and then not- Oz came. But then it was like. Then you re- – like now that I'm – and then I was like, well, who cares about Oz and Cordelia? <sighs> Whatever. My ship mm-hmm. is sailing right now. Sure. Um, and then like as, you know, rewatching it even just in college, I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God they didn't get – like they didn't stay together. That would have been awful mm-hmm. because the the strength of their actual best friendship that they had the whole way through was so much better. Um without the romance i think yeah i agree i agree with that and oz was just oz was the perfect boyfriend for willow i know boyfriend not partner forever no i agree with you (laughs) but he was he was so sweet i mean seth green just the sweetest bean but so sweet and so cool and mm-hmm. and what I loved about him so much was that he just thought that Willow was cool from yeah. from the get go. From the first time he met her, he was like, "That's a cool girl." And like, no one had ever in her life looked at Willow and thought she was cool. Not even Buffy or Xander. I know. And and Willow or Oz just was like like from the se- from the day he met her, he was like, "Yep, she's awesome," and I'm in love with her. And I was like, oh. absolutely. And he was so smart and also such a dummy. And to this day, I am still looking for a werewolf Pez dispenser. Like, I have never stopped. I will never stop. I looked this past Halloween. (laughs) Every Halloween. You know what? In the back of my mind, I always, like... I always do also scan the the dispensers, especially at Halloween, thinking that someday I'm going to come across this this coveted <laughs> werewolf Pez, and then Willow's Pez witch that Oz gave her could have a boyfriend. Yeah, I have Willow's Pez witch, witch yes. still that you gave me, and yes. the tiny little werewolf action figure you bought for me <laughs> because <laughs> there is no werewolf Pez. And if I find werewolf Pez, I will drive to where you are. I don't care that it's on the other side of the country to present it to you. Like, <laughs> oh God, what a great day! What a great day that will be. Something mm-hmm. to something to look forward to. 
I should write. I should start a letter writing <clears throat> campaign to Pez. Where's the werewolf? It's been fifty years. It's been Pez. You have had so much time and so many werewolves to choose from. I know. I would have thought that with the Twilight thing, that somebody would have would have jumped on that, but no. Yeah, nothing. No. Still no werewolf Pez. <sighs> Missed opportunities. No mm-hmm. werewolf Pez and no Darcy Funko. It's like they don't even care that we exist. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize there was no Darcy. I'm so there's, sad for there's you. There's no Darcy. My <laughs> options are to like Frankenstein my own Darcy out of like eight different other things. And you've seen my crafts, Briz. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think I would like to see one that you created. They do have paint your own po- yes. pops now, though. Maybe you can <laughs> find one you can paint into Darcy. They do. They do. I've thought about it, though, and I can't decide which would be more nightmare fuel. (laughs) The one I cut up and reassembled or the one I painted myself. I mean, the one you cut up and reassemble sounds like an AU to me. (laughs) Like, Darcy's not doing well. Steve has to, like, fix her. (laughs) So, um, yeah, one of these weekends, I'm going to just get I'm going to get both. I'm going to get all the parts that I need to build a Darcy and also the paint your own and see which one is more horrific by Monday morning. All right, Dr. Frankenstein. (laughs) (sighs) See See what happens. Best regards. So, yeah, no werewolf fez, no Darcy Funko. Thank you for your support during this difficult time. (laughs) Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. Um, But, yeah, so uh, let's. Go back to Buffy. Um, when you did your binge, do you remember, do you have like one episode or one moment that will stick with you forever? Absolutely. Um, once more with feeling. Forever. <laughs> like at least every couple of days. Um, I will hear Giles' part in that one song. song. Uh. <laughs> In playing in my head, Just, am I leaving dawn in danger? Yes. <laughs> of Just every couple of days, and I'll be like, "What is this?" Like if I'm dr- if I'm on the bus on the way to work, and the sun is cresting over one of the three rivers, uh, am I leaving dawn in danger? Just constant. <laughs> Always that one for me. What about you? Um, I mean, I I love the music from Once More with Feeling so, so much. Um, uh-huh. It's such a good episode. Uh, there, I mean, there are so many that I have, but I always think about the the serious, like this, like the sad serious moment of when. Actually, there's two, and it's from the same episode. Um, so it's toward the end of season five when they're all gearing up to go fight Glory and get Dawn back and it's end of the world, end times as always. Um, but there's a moment where Buffy has like this big monologue about all the apocalypses that she and Giles have stopped and how tired she is. And it's such a sad moment. And then because this is after Joyce had died, um, she gets toward the end and she says, I just wish my mom was here. Mm. And like, it's such a normal thing to say, because like, if you think about it, if Joyce was there, nothing would be different. Mm -hmm. 
there wouldn't like nothing would be better. She wouldn't have to be like it wasn't like Joyce would have fought this demon god for her. But it's such like a human thing to want. Mm-hmm. Like you just want your mommy. Um, that part always stuck with me. And then also basically any moment between Spike and Giles. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so good. But um when uh, when Buffy tells them to grab their gear and she says, like, I'll kill anyone who who stands in my way of protecting Dawn. And it's like so not it's it's not a nice thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she just like grabs her stuff and leaves. And uh, Spike's like not exactly the same Christmas Crispin Day <clears throat> speech, was it? And uh, Giles starts quoting that. <laughs> And he's like, we few, we happy few. And he grabs his stuff. And then Spike grabs the stuff after him and goes, we band of buggered. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like one of those things that it's like you realize like they hate each other so much and they've spent so much time actively trying to kill each other. And it's like they have probably more in common than anybody else in that crew. Absolutely. I mean, once Joyce was gone, um, Spike was kind of the other adult (laughs) that was in the Scooby Day. I mean, I really, they were all adults at that point, Mm -hmm. but like, but adult, like on the realm of a generation older, Uh could, had seen some things, could relate to things. Right. Um, And then, you know, when you find out that that Giles used to be kind of a Hellraiser, (laughs) which we can talk about, hits a little differently now than it did when we were 18. Oh, of course. But, uh, you know, it just, yeah, there are so many more similarities between Spike and Giles. Um, it just makes the the Tabula Rasa episode where they think, they think they, they end up thinking they're father and son. Mm. Um, <laughs> I liked that episode a lot, too. That's, that's a great one. And when, uh, when Spike <laughs> is wearing whatever he's wearing his disguise and he ends up getting his memory wiped and he looks at the inside of his coat and it says made with love for randy (laughs) and he looks at giles he goes you named me randy (laughs) randy giles why not horny giles or desperate for a shag giles no wonder i hate you (laughs) oh my god spike is such a good character he's so much fun i get so mad when people hate him i love spike um but yeah him and him and uh him and giles their their chemistry always it's it's always so perfect it's Mm -hmm. it's so good from day one um but but yeah those that whole thing yeah (laughs) When he's like, am I your older brother? He goes, you're my father. I must hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, made with love for Randy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, there there are so many wonderful moments that really just like twist all of the, all of the, the heartstrings. But there are things that it it being a 90s show and then watching it again, you know, or thinking about it, even like thinking back to things that were like 
oh, this is the end all be all of romance or, you know, oh my God, this, this couple is so perfect for each other. People were buying clotter rings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room of how different it is to think about some of these things as an adult <laughs> than so it was different as a teenager or a, you know, college aged person, child, we were still teenagers, whatever we weren't. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about Buffy and Angel, shall we? Oh my god, Buffy and Angel. <laughs> the moment of pure happiness. <laughs> oh goodness. I mean, okay, so something that 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 Buffy did that wasn't as obvious when I was watching it in real time. Um, was take common, you know, teenage cautionary tales and add a supernatural spin. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, there's an episode where she lies to her mom and her friends so that she can go and says that she's out patrolling when in fact she's going to a frat party with Cordelia. Mm -hmm. And it turns out they end up as potential sacrifices for a big lizard god. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, instead of just, you know, your run-of-the-mill date rape, they end up chained up in a basement, almost eaten by a big lizard. Yeah. Um, you know, the the episode where Xander is flirting with a teacher and she's giving him special treatment. And instead of, you know, that being a thing for like, hey, this is gross and predatory behavior, she turns out to be a, a what is it? She she. Uh, praying praying mantis. mantis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a praying mantis who almost decapitates him. Yeah. Uh, the depressed and, girl who's like invisible and in yeah. the addict of the school. Uh-huh. Lots yep. of those kinds of lots of those things. Yeah. She's she's a it's a it's a revenge bully revenge story, but she ends up, you know, almost killing a lot of people because she's uh, actually invisible. Played by Clea Duvall, I believe. Yeah. Um, one of her many bit parts. Mm -hmm. But uh, nothing tops. Nothing tops, I think. The... The consequences of premarital sex. The consequences <laughs> of premarital sex, quite like Buffy did. <laughs> um, oh, God. <laughs> wherein, okay, so those of you who don't know or have blocked it from your memory um buffy is 17 years old oh god 17 keep that in mind i'm gonna say it a lot and angel is a hundred and no 200 and like 47 years old now he's not as bad as edward cullen who's like i'm 300 time to enroll in the local high school again true um He's just he's just old enough that when she meets him, she's like, hmm, mysterious older gentleman. Except that David Boreanaz has never looked anything younger than like 29 <laughs> ever. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how old he was when he filmed that first episode, but he he just looks like he's put on more muscle since then. Yes. He, and like his temples are a little lighter. Correct. Yes. Um, so David Boreanaz has always looked late 20s. 
They never say how old he is. He he uh when when Buffy's mom finds them together, Buffy lies and says that he's a he's a student at the local community college. Which I love how much Joyce is just like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Joyce lets that go. And uh and and then you find out later on that of course Angel is actually a vampire, but it's okay because he's a good vampire. He has a soul. Except oops. We find out that if Angel, part of his curse, they gave him his soul back. And, and we can talk about the Jimmy's curse in a second because I actually think it's pretty cool. I do as um, well. Except for this part. <laughs> <laughs> if, <clears throat> if Angel ever experienced a moment of perfect, pure happiness, of contentment, he would lose his soul again and be a monster again. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, what does that mean? Well... <laughs> In the Buffyverse, it is actually a very flowery metaphor for ejaculation. <laughs> like there's so many other things it could mean. It could have mean it could have meant so many things, okay? And it didn't. Yeah. What it meant was at the moment of orgasm. <laughs> Angel becomes a monster killer again. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> to say that that had a very, very negative impact on how I viewed sex for a long time. Like, I knew it wasn't real, but there was also in the back of my head, like, this, like, little voice that was like, but, like, what if? <laughs> yeah. Buffy, Buffy didn't know that was a thing. Buffy would have thought that that was just a that was just a a fucking <clears throat> uh you know a myth also um so yeah so seeing that when i was 12 no 11 yeah i was seeing that when i was 11 i was like i mean but you can't really be too careful can you <laughs> <laughs> like there's just no way to know if if this is this is something that's going to happen and it is the it's the spin also not just on premarital sex but on the the idea of a girl starts dating older more experienced guy and as soon as they have sex he turns into somebody else and mm. you know treats her like garbage yeah that is true so as a spin on that um but <laughs> But this is this we'll get into Angel for just a second. Um the the perfect happiness the the Angel can't have sex because he'll turn into a monster thing is thankfully something they do get to make fun of a little bit when he got his own show. Correct. Because I think at that point they realized like okay, that that was a little ridiculous. It's a little so we're going to mock it. And it's like, it's so funny because it's like, like, there's nothing else. There's no, there's nothing else in the entire world that could, could trigger perfect happiness. Like he's never just had a good day. Yeah. Where he's just like, just really happy. And then no, no, it has to be this exact thing. Um, And it's so fucking funny. Yeah, it is really funny. (laughs) But to like take the therapist bin, I think your listeners know that at this point I'm a social worker, I'm a therapist. So um, 
like considering that the whole point of the gypsy curse and him getting his soul back was for him to be eternally tortured by all of the terrible things that he had done. Mm-hmm. I think a better moment may have been like his moment of pure happiness was when he learned to forgive himself for the things that he had done. Yeah. That would, that to me is a moment of, of, of perfect happiness where it's like, um, nope, this is not working. You've forgiven yourself. You're no longer experiencing eternal suffering. Mm-hmm. But no, they chose orgasm. <laughs> now, I wonder if the gypsies who cast that curse had that specifically in mind or if they were like actually thinking more like your your uh, your train of thought being like, well, someday, you know, he'll learn to live with all of this and he'll forgive himself and he'll he'll find peace. And at that point, you know, that soul will be taken back and he'll be a monster again and it'll be ah. <laughs> Yeah, but Angel was just a fucking tortured ass bag of sad for an entire hundred and fifty years until he hooked up with a seventeen year old girl and Insane. got to come. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to totally cheapen it because there may have been a part of it being that, like, I believe that Angel really did truly love Buffy. Yes, a seventeen year old child. <laughs> However. <laughs> That Angel, a 247-year-old man, truly did love this 17-year-old child. Yes, I agree. agree. And so I think that may have contributed to, like, the moment of ultimate happiness. Yes. I don't think he would have reacted the same way with any random person, perhaps. obviously. Lost his soul, tried to murder her whole family. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Let's um let's let us talk about the the Angelus year. I thought actually, despite the silliness of of the <laughs> the, the silliness of how we got there, yes. um, having Angel turn into Angelus again in the second season was such a good story. Uh, not to mention the conclusion of that arc, <sighs> poetry. I know. I know. I know. I think about that sometimes. I this is will show my age, um, but the uh, the the way I used to watch Buffy was it was on Tuesday nights, and I had some activity that I had to do on Tuesday nights, and I couldn't watch it in real time. So my mom would record it on the VCR. That's how I recorded the OC. <laughs> and then and then I would watch it after school on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and I remember I told her that she couldn't record over the episode, the final episode of season two, because I just needed to watch it and experience all of the pain over and over and over again. Yeah. Oh. Oh. To be like 18 years old and do mm-hmm. what Buffy could do in that episode is – unbelievable to me like it shows the amazing strength of her just being a human girl Mm -hmm. and doing all of the things that the slayer does and why it's so phenomenal that someone like the slayer exists um and i love i mean when xander went to help her and he didn't tell her what willow was gonna do Mm -hmm. and he gave her the sword and said willow said kick his ass yeah. Um, because he didn't want 
I don't know. It's it, it's one of those things. Xander's a, there's, Xander's an interesting character because I know that he wanted what was best for Buffy. Um, but I, I also I, I want to say that there's like the selfish aspect of that he really hated Angel because he loved Buffy. Yeah. Um, and he hated what Angel did to her, and that you know he got there first and whatever. And there was that that sort of awful rivalry between the two of them. But I also think that there was a a selfless part where that. Buffy wouldn't fight as hard if she thought there was a chance that Angel was going to come back. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that he was going to be who she wanted him to be again, that he, that she wouldn't fight hard enough to save her own life. Yeah. Um, but I do love that they, they called that back in, I think it's the seventh season where they're fighting about all of the, uh, the sacrifices that Buffy has made over the years and she brings up the fact that she had to kill angel Mm -hmm. and she's like do you remember that xander do you even remember do you remember giving me willow's message kick his ass and willow's sitting there she's like i never said that (laughs) and i was like thank you willow thank you for like remembering that you never said that yeah um but yeah that whole oh that whole end of that season and then she runs away. But like the the fight with her mom, oh, that yeah. makes me so sad. I know. Oh, oh, that makes me so sad because like Joyce was just trying so hard to be a good mom and she had so many obstacles put in her way of trying to keep her daughter safe. Yeah. Oh. And it probably um, made no sense to poor poor Joyce that all of this stuff was happening at no. a lot of times. And like the you know the uh, the um, the t- all the times that you know that she was in trouble. And I remember talking actually talking to my mom about this, like about how ridiculous it was all the times that Joyce kind of turned a blind eye to what was happening with Buffy before she knew what was going on. Um. And my mom was like, I need to tell you something about parenting. She goes, maybe it's not universal. She goes, but all you want is to believe that your child is as good and normal and healthy and safe as you need them to be. She was like, so she goes, Emily, you could get arrested and tell me the most ridiculous story. They could have acres of evidence against you. She's like, and you could tell me the most outlandish, ridiculous story about how you've been framed. And she was like, and there is a part of me that will want to believe that over everything that the rest of the world is telling me. And she was like, I mean, don't do that because I don't need to be tested like that at this point (laughs) in my life. She's like, but (laughs) she was like, it's it's not she goes when I you know and when I watched that show with you she was like I did not think it was out of the realm of of possibility that when presented with these insane situations that Joyce just took her daughter's side every time and believed whatever she told her mm-hmm. because she wanted to because yeah. she wanted to make sure that you know she wanted to feel like she was still protecting her and that she was being a good mom yeah um but back to Spike. <laughs> The uh, the interaction between Spike and Joyce in the last episode, mm-hmm. where they're sitting in the living room, 
And Joyce is like, so do you live here in town? (laughs) 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 And and Spike's like so taken aback. And she's like, I'm sorry, you look so familiar to me. And he's like, "Uh, you hit me with an axe once. (laughs) She's like, did I? And he's like, yeah. And he like pretends to swing the axe. He's like, keep the hell away from my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, oh. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so great and wonderful. And it's it's so perfect. I loved I loved the uh, the the interactions between Joyce and Spike, where he goes back to her house. I don't know. He's like he's like trying he's like trying to hold her hostage or something. I don't know what happens, but there's another moment between Joyce and Spike later on in the series where he's just bitching about Drusilla to her. Mm-hmm. And poor Joyce is like well, she seems, I mean, very unreasonable. I think maybe it's best that you two are taking some time apart. <laughs> Joyce was like everybody's conscience, voice of reason. She was. She was so perfectly, wonderfully human. I mm-hmm. loved that about Joyce. Um, it's all really just blended into why Joyce Summers deserved the biggest goddamn break for putting up with everything that she did. I know. Oh. <laughs> uh. And I mean, yeah, she was just everybody's mom mm-hmm. and and so wonderful and not weak at all. No, not by any means. No. Just oh my god. But like the 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 whole arc of season five when she got sick and when Dawn appeared and mm-hmm. she realized because of her because of her brain tumor or, or whatever it was that made her realize that Dawn was not really her daughter. Mm. Um, and how she told Buffy, you know, don't let her know that. And, you know, because I know that she's important, not just to us, but to the world. And like, I do love her mm-hmm. and I just want her to know that I never, you know, that I, that I always loved her like a daughter and that she was always, she's always my daughter no matter what. And it's like, Oh, Joyce. Yeah. Jesus. And as much as I don't want to talk about him, and we can talk about him more in a minute, but um, Joss Whedon had said about Joyce's death, how it was something – he wanted it to be the most human Mm -hmm. death in the the whole Buffyverse. It's just such a normal thing. It's just a brain aneurysm. Yeah. Um, You know, that it's it's so – shockingly human that Buffy thinks that it's glory that glory did it Mm -hmm. and that you know that this is somehow a target and it was just it was just a thing that happened because he said like Joyce was the most human character in the whole series and so she deserved the most painless human death yeah I was like well maybe you could have just let her live (laughs) fucking sadist yeah, that would have been a great choice, I think, mm-hmm. to just let her live. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's very human of Buffy to react to it that way. Not yeah. only because she lives in a supernatural world, but mm-hmm. I do a lot of work with grief. And mm-hmm. everybody always thinks like, oh, this person, I actually work with neuro diagnoses. So it's mm-hmm. very similar. I have patients who have brain aneurysms and we have to yeah. try and help their family understand. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will respond with, well, they ate something weird two months ago do you think that's it like Mm -hmm. it's just looking for the reason yeah behind the unreasonable yes yes yeah 
And that that idea of that, you know, searching for a reason why something happened, um, it, it goes into the scene with Anya, mm. who has only been a human for like two seasons after being 1,100 years of a demon. <laughs> <laughs> she was a and funny character, too. She was. And I love Emma Caulfield. I think she, uh-huh. she did such a good job with that character. Absolutely. Um, but she, uh, she, when she, you know, was, she was trying to figure out, like, she was just asking a lot of questions because she'd never known a human who just died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she said like, are we going to have to look at the body? Are the, is it, is the body going to be there? And, you know, Willow got really upset with her and she was yelling at her that she was being insensitive. And she was like, I just don't understand. She was walking around and now she's just a body and I don't understand why she can't just get back into it. Yeah. And like, there's no why, you know, it's just this horrible, sad thing that happened. And that whole episode, there's no music. Yeah. There's no score. There's nothing. There's just, there's just, there's no like, you know, underlying, usually there's like some underlying score that they did per episode or like during fight scenes or something. But, you know, there's, there's a a fight, there's a fight in the morgue, I want to say. Mm. And it sounds, it looks, it feels horrible because there's nothing, there's nothing cinematic about it. It's just dead quiet other than what's happening on screen. Yeah. And I mean, that's a really hard episode. I can't watch that very often, but um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it was a really, it was very well done. It was just really hard, really, really hard to watch. (sighs) Buffy for being a monster show did not shy away from humanity. No, no. And I think that that is really something um, that it did. Yeah, that it did really well, despite it could have very easily been very campy and hokey like the movie was, which I've still never seen. I did see was campy and hokey. (laughs) Luke Perry didn't even save that shit. Can confirm was campy and hokey. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it could have been very campy and very hokey. And even the first season. When usually it's it's the campiest, right? Mm-hmm. Before they get into the lore and the, you know, the the big bads emerge and the the higher, you know, the the multi season arc kind of situation. Um, it was always really focused on on the people and kind of the real life. What you know, what a real life would look like if monsters were hiding just under the surface. Yeah. I mean, I love the whole thing, but the high school years will all, will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah. It's funny when I watch those because I'm like, God damn, it's so dark. I know. Like the lighting itself, like the show itself is dark. That library yeah. is dark. They did not light it well at all. I know. <laughs> all the makeup is super heavy. And the I mean, if, if you gentle listeners of Super City are list, looking for a perfect time capsule – into what the late 90s looked like, please, please watch the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then go to a Target and notice how they're trying to recreate it. You know, I used to have a couple uh, children under my supervision when I was a manager of a restaurant. And they were 15 or 16. They were very, very young. And they were like so excited because they loved how everything was like 
all the 90s trends were coming back. And they were like, oh my God, these are so cool. You're so lucky. And they're telling me this because I'm an ancient. Uh, they were like, you're so lucky that you like grew up wearing these clothes. And I was like, listen, <laughs> first of all, what you see at Target right now is not true 90s what we were wearing, okay? <laughs> like they're they're cherry picking the best and most attractive pieces and they're bringing them back. Correct. I was like, but true 90s. I was like, I, I, so I, sh I pulled up a clip of some, oh, uh, one of the scenes from the bronze, mm -hmm. uh, which I love that they still went to well into their 20s. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was no, this really is the only hoping. place we need. <laughs> Club Zoo is the only place we need. Club Zoo is the 13 to 18 club in the city where Emily and I grew up. Like, to, to contemplate setting foot in Club Zoo. <laughs> now, I just want to die. Absolutely. <laughs> like, rightly so. I just want to die. Oh, my God. But Buffy and her gang kept going, right? Yes. Um, but so I, I showed them a scene from the bronze, and then I also showed them the music video to What's Going On by Four Non Blondes. <laughs> and they were so rightfully horrified. I was like, this happened in 1994, and Buffy happened in 1996. Don't you fucking tell me I was lucky to live through this. Not All to right. mention, in the 90s, <laughs> our clothes were largely purchased by our mothers. So they were a lot more, like, glittery and said thing like American princess on mm -hmm. them. And were yeah. not necessarily, like, really cool tube tops. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to wear a cool sunflower printed tube top with my overalls with only one thing, you know, hitched. Because if I tried that, my mom would have been like, you're eight. Go upstairs and put on your Oshkosh bagosh, please. <laughs> I would have oh, had man. to listen because I was eight. <laughs> Absolutely. And she bought all my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks but, to our mothers. <laughs> <laughs> that's what moms do. Um, but yeah, so so before we get into the Joss situation, let's talk about Giles. Oh, Giles. Fanning <laughs> myself. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah how old was he when the show started filming like do we know did let's, we look it up let's look it up right now i kind so, of want to know i want to um, know how, how old i'm prepared to be is. horrified because <laughs> i recently figured out that the rugrats parents were like in their early 30s oh i think i texted you about you it did and i'm you didn't older tell me than to, them you didn't tell me to sit down you didn't tell me to be like hey this might ruin your life <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just like, here's a thing. <laughs> and I was the same age when Full House came out. I was the same age as Michelle Tanner, the <laughs> baby. And I I'm pretty sure in the first season, Danny Tanner was 27. <gasps> what? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So I started watching it as the baby. I'm now significant could have probably babysat danny tanner like it would have been shady a little bit and we would have had to be aware of which moms were home on the street in case something actually happened to us <laughs> all right so anthony stewart head was born in 1954 all right. okay assuming uh, that two years younger than my dad yeah but assuming that they started filming in 1995 he would have been 41 years old. Okay. 
so I feel a little bit better because I'm not yet older than he no. was. No, we'll never we'll never be older than Giles. <laughs> just put that out there now. <laughs> I feel a little bit better. <laughs> we'll, ne- we'll never be older than Giles. But let's talk about a 41-year-old Giles who who comes on the scene and you're supposed to feel like he's this stuffy English, you know, wet blanket over Buffy's fun times being a slayer. (sighs) Except that like, he's not afraid to beat the shit out of somebody. Yeah. And he knows everything. Uh Uh-huh. And he listens to great music. And he listens to great music. And, I mean, picture yourself walking into the library and Giles is sitting at one of the tables, like pouring over this ancient, dusty tome. And he just has like the little nib of his glasses in his mouth. Stop. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like dark academic daydream. (laughs) The fact that Jenny Callender resisted him for a whole season. Shows how fixated she was on that gypsy curve. <laughs> Just shows how dare they, how dare they ever doubt her, her, you know, compassion and her dedication to her people and her gypsy curse. Because she had that, that delightful cup of English breakfast there just waiting for her. And she did not seize, she did not carpe that Giles. I mean, the... <laughs> The main three Scoobies, I understand why they never had a crush on him. To Buffy, right. he was a dad. Willow, yes. straight up lesbian. Yes. Xander, <laughs> probably one of those guys who's like a homophobic. He's so afraid of coming off gay. Yes. But like Cordelia, she should have been all over that. <laughs> that should have been like, she should have like followed him around like a puppy. Right? Oh my God. Except the thing is, I feel like Cordelia thought that he was too old for her so that when Wesley showed up Mm -hmm. and Wesley was a good decade younger, Mm -hmm. she was like, this is my Giles. Yes, I understand. (laughs) Which which thankfully they they didn't pursue that Mm -hmm. beyond the worst kiss ever. (laughs) (laughs) It really, it really was bad. It was so bad. It was so bad. And it was it was so hilariously bad. Yeah, as soon as you mentioned it, I could picture it in my head. And I probably uh-huh. haven't seen it's, that in a decade. I, I will I won't watch that scene because <laughs> like if I do a rewatch, I'm like, no, I have to skip this because it's so <laughs> awful and so uncomfortable. <sighs> but yeah. um yeah, no. Briz sent me this TikTok. <laughs> Of somebody being like, Giles hits differently now, no? <laughs> it was just he does. A, it was just a compilation of all the times that like Giles took his glasses off seductively or like rolled his sleeves up and then uh-huh. like threw a dude into the wall. Yeah. And I was like, oh. The things okay. we're attracted to now. No longer the the brooding whining <laughs> no. of angel Mm-mm. as he he cried and said woe is me the like the strong steady intelligence the britishness <sighs> the britishness the genius god yeah god damn just yeah. imagining buffy coming back from like a horrible rainy hunt and he like gives her a blanket and a cup of tea oh <laughs> stop like that's that is now what i find appealing in my old age 
And and that he loved, I mean, he did. He loved Buffy so much. He did. He loved her so much. And he took such good care of her. <sighs> and when and when they they brought her back and they all broke into song, his song was about how much he loved her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the people who've not seen the the space between the resurrection and the musical episode are going to make it sound like she was resurrected into a musical, but <laughs> it's not exactly what. There's a few. There's a few episodes. There in are between. there are some steps there. It's <laughs> a few steps. Um, <laughs> what a fucking nightmare that would be. You wake up and it's a musical. <laughs> no wonder she was like, "Am I in hell?" <laughs> <laughs> oh God, the musical episode was so good. I it love. Was. I love anything that's self-aware and when Buffy <laughs> brings it up the next day. Yes. Like, did anybody else um burst into song? <laughs> and everybody else in Xander's like, merciful Zeus, we thought it was just us. <laughs> I mean, a lot of shows have done musical ep- episodes. Mm-hmm. None have done it like Buffy. No. Which is why we've talked about it 85 times. Right. And how it's, yeah, it's, it was a defining moment of our, <laughs> of our collective experience. Mm-hmm. But, oh my, I, I, I still listen. Like, there's are, those are still songs that are on some of my playlists. Like uh, the, the Demon Suite, his song. Oh, such a good song. Such a good song. Such a good – I mean, there's they're genuinely good songs. Like, mm-hmm. Giles is great and Drawn to the Fire. If Ugh. I need to get hyped, you know that's going on a playlist. Uh-huh. So good. Mm-hmm. So fucking good. And that also has your favorite line in it, so. Yes. Am I leaving Dawn in danger? Dawn in danger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. So so Giles hits differently. Absolutely differently. <laughs> Absolutely mm-hmm. differently. Buffy and Angel also hits differently because you realize that she is a 17-year-old child. Mm-hmm. I there are a couple there are a couple moments where he he says things like like she says that she has a curfew or she has homework or or whatever. And I'm like, these should be your these should be your your red flags here, Angel. Yeah. I mean, when I was 19, I was devastated that Angel and Buffy didn't get back together at the mm-hmm. end. Me as an adult, I'm like, that fits. That's fine. Yeah. No, that's that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that's also because actually- I love Angel, I don't want Buffy for Angel too. I'm sorry, I'm harping. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. I think that Angel got to grow a lot, and he got to to be a better person when Buffy wasn't around to fuck of his life <laughs> sure and vice versa they were not good for each other mm-hmm. they were too intense mm-hmm. i mean riley was not the most exciting rebound but Ugh, he was gross <laughs> but i mean it was good that she had somebody between him and spike sure yeah i agree but i loved buffy and spike Oh, me too. Even though, like, there were parts of that that were, I mean, there's the TikTok trend that's like, um, how, when was, what was your first toxic guy? Mine mm-hmm. was Spike. He <laughs> toxic. Yes. Yes, he was. There's, there's a lot of bad in Buffy and Spike, but I also thought that there was, there was some pretty good stuff too. Absolutely. Especially season seven. 
Absolutely. And just, I mean, the things that he did that he didn't have to do. Like yeah. all the things he put the way he protected Dawn mm-hmm. and how he did take care of all the Scoobies, even though he acted like he hated them. Yeah. Just, you know, he, the fact that he realized that she wouldn't have wanted to be resurrected. They, the, yeah. he was mad that they didn't tell him because mm-hmm. he would point out to them it was wrong. Like right. there were a lot of really good noble things about yes. Spike, which is why I still have this weird ID tag that came into the bookstore I used to work at, <laughs> which is like a Spike Sunnydale U um <laughs> identification card hanging <laughs> on my windshield or my review mirror. I'll send you a picture of it later, oh Anne. God, please do. <laughs> it's perfect. My grandma was like, who's that guy? One time when I was in my car. I was like, he's a vampire grandma, but he's also a poet, and it's very complex. Yes. Oh, I love Spike's poetry. I love Me that he too. stayed a poet. I know. Um, the episode where he talks about his – all the slayers that he killed, that yeah. might be one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's – it, it's – I mean, it was such a good one. Like, mm-hmm. it was it was so dark. Yeah. But, you know, the whole the, – especially the one with um, – the one that he killed in the 80s. Nikki. Oh, yeah. Um, That's such a good scene. That's such a – it's such a good fight scene. It's mm-hmm. so brutal. It really um, is. But, yeah, I love – I love that Spike was always a poet. And in Angel <laughs> – when Spike was on the last season of Angel, which, despite being a shit show of an ending, Spike and Angel should have been in, on the same show the entire time. They were Absolutely. so fucking good together. Those two actors have so much chemistry. Yeah. Uh, they thought they were it was going to be, you know, end of days or whatever. And – oh, no, no, no. It wasn't that. It was, it was that Spike was inexplicably bound to the place where Angel was. And so he was like haunting him like a ghost. And there was a chance yeah. that Spike was going to be able to be released so he could go wherever he wanted. And they were like acting like it was a breakup. <laughs> <laughs> but like pretending that they weren't acting like it was a breakup. Like they were each trying to like find things they wanted to say to each other. It was really it was really funny. Yeah. But Angel says, because uh, Spike says, I've always hated you. I've never liked you. I can't wait to be rid of you. And Angel says, I feel the same way. And then they're quiet. And Angel goes... There was one thing. He was like, what? He goes, I always liked your poetry. Aw. And Spike looks at him for a long time, and he's, like, about to say thank you, and then he stops, and he looks at him, and he goes, but you like Barry Manilow. (laughs) 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 So good. It is good. All right. So let's talk about the ugly elephant in the room. Yeah. Just for a second. We don't have to dwell, but I think it's important. I agree it's important. Um, so recently, Joss Whedon has come under more fire for being what it seems to be a lifelong piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Charisma Carpenter released a statement. I guess there was some there was some toxicity of the way he was handling things on Justice League. Mm, somewhere. That, I don't some, remember who it is. <clears throat> Someone came out and said something. Yeah. So the project that he's working on right now, which I think is Justice League, which like, oh God. Must we? Yeah. Must we again with Superman? Um, but so somebody came out and said he's he's a toxic piece of shit. He's awful to work with. And he shouldn't be allowed to be around actors ever again. Came out, said this. 
bunch of people came to this this actor or whoever it was his uh, his support. One of them was Charisma Carpenter, who played Cordelia on Buffy and Angel for eight years, and um, she basically laid out all of the ways that Joss Whedon abused her mentally and emotionally for and psychologically for the time that she knew him. So he was just, I mean, he, he undermined all of her confidence. He told her he was going to fire her all the time. Like she never felt like she had any kind of secure footing as far as that character goes. When she got pregnant, he, he put her health in danger. He, you know, told her she should get rid of it. Like he's just a piece of fucking garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's not the first person to say that. Mm-hmm. And so then a bunch of other people jumped in. Um, the one that really struck me, though, was Michelle Trachtenberg. I don't Did know if I saw her, so enlighten me. So Michelle Trachtenberg is our age now, and mm-hmm. she said she's never talked about this, but there was a rule. She said, you know, she wanted to commend Charisma for her courage, and and, and she said, I've never spoken about this, but there was a rule on Buffy that was that Joss is not allowed to be alone in a room with Michelle ever. Jeez. And that's all she said. So. That's horrifying. So he's a monster. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm choosing to end on a, on a funnier, on the funnier note of, of what Nicholas Brendan said. Uh, but <laughs> So we'll circle back to to his statement. <laughs> but uh, so the the whole point is that this is a similar situation, not quite the same, but but affecting a whole different group of people as to the J.K. Rowling thing. Yeah. Right. So when it comes to separating art from the artist, where do you think the line is and what still considered you know quote-unquote safe to enjoy and what is ruined forever based on the monstrous nature of its creator well i mean i would never say that someone being like no i can't enjoy this anymore because of the horrifying things that this Mm -hmm. person has done um is wrong because that that if something no longer feels safe to a member of a community or to someone who's an ally to that, to that community, then it's completely reasonable to mm-hmm. distance yourself from that, not involve yourself from that anymore personally. And I don't know if this is short-sighted or anything. I have not given up any of the things that have really impacted my life mm-hmm. because I come from more of the camp of yes, the creator created it. Right. But it means something to me mm-hmm. and what it means to me is separate from what the creator created or yes. what their intention was for creating it. And I think that was a Hemingway thing. I don't know. It's been a while since I studied mm-hmm. English lit, but I think that was a Hemingway the- theory. Like, no, a book is what it is and you right. people are making it something else. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and so that that's kind of the take that I take on it. But I do completely understand why – there are some people who are like, no, can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. It no longer feels safe for me to exist within that fantasy world. And I just actually think that that's really sad that they yeah. lose something that mattered to them and felt like a safe space for them, especially Harry Potter, which is so freaking inclusive, at least as yeah. I thought previously. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think with, with, with fandom in general, especially with huge 
you know, these, these, uh, these like major, major impact on, on the fandom world. I mean, not just Buffy, but Firefly and Angel and, you know, I mean, honestly, first Avengers, first and second Avengers, um, the things that Joss has given to the fandom world or that has put out into the world that people have have identified with and have latched onto and have has shaped who a lot of people are as people you know these characters that you identify with and the same thing with Harry Potter you know it has this huge impact on generations of people and to find out that the person behind that is horrible mm-hmm. just i mean JK Rowling is is vilifying herself daily. I mean, she's, she's like, just, she's so into being this monster Mm -hmm. that it's, it's like, Oh, it would be comical if it wasn't so sad. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's, I just think that obviously if, if like what you said, if you, if it's too much, if it's, if it doesn't feel safe, if it doesn't feel good, if the thing that you love doesn't, fit anymore because of what you learned about the person who made it, then that's obviously that is your, that is your call and and take care of yourself as a fan and, and, and step away and do something else. But I also think that if you're waiting for me or anybody else to tell you that you have to feel guilty or that you have to stop loving something because of who made it and what they are, um, that's, I think that's just as, just as crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they can't take that away from you. You know? Like, J.K. Rowling can't take the friends that I made because of Harry Potter fan fiction away from me. And she can't take the hours that I spent watching those movies with you in college and all of that good, safe, happy feelings that I associate with, like, the two of us hold up in my dorm room watching Goblet of Fire on repeat. Mm Mm-hmm for an entire snow day. Yeah. Like that has nothing to do with her. She doesn't get to, she doesn't get to have that. And I think the same thing about, about Joss Whedon. I agree. It's unfortunate that he's a shithead, but it is, it is unfortunate that he's an absolute piece of shit because I think he's probably still going to keep getting work. And of course he will, you know? Yeah. He's, he's too well connected. He's too, you know, people consider him too ingrained in, in media to just pull the rug out from under him and say he can't work anymore. So <sighs> is is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did promise to end on a funnier note on this. And now it's <laughs> it's maybe not the funniest thing in the world, but <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny. It's pretty fucking funny. Uh so everybody was coming out with their su- statements of support for Charisma Carpenter, right? And um, and and Nicholas Brendan, who played Xander, now he and and Charisma have known each other for a long time, mm-hmm. and have been friends and have gone to have been like you know on panels together at Comic Cons and and things like that. Um, everybody's statements of support were like, you know, David Boreanaz said like, I'm here for you. And she's like, I know David, you've been, you know, a wonderful rock, blah, blah, blah. James Marsters, everybody, you know, uh, Adam Bush, blah, 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 all this other stuff. Um, (laughs) I'm just laughing in preparation. Nicholas Brendan's (laughs) official statement when asked, now he may have amended this and he may have come up with something else, but his first thing 
that he said out loud on the record about this was, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to get some, I'm getting some spinal surgery tomorrow and then I have to heal and come up with a statement that represents me. But turning to his health battle, he explained he's feeling nauseous and hung up after a recent injury, which makes him always feel like I got a shit. He continues, my anus is kind of paralyzed and so is my penis, which is weird. I got to sit down to piss because I don't know if I'm shitting or pissing. (laughs) I I sent this to Brittany. It was collected on Twitter from somebody named Nick Bond who has said... A simple no comment would have sufficed. (laughs) I agree. Nick Bond. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, are those the true symptoms of some spinal cord injuries? Yes. Yes. Yes, they are. They are, yes. Does this have to be? I mean, I feel like this is the dichotomy of, like, Xander and that character he played on Criminal Minds and all of these great characters he plays – and like me also seeing his mug shots. <laughs> like, I think right? This yes. <laughs> this is the most Nicholas Brendan thing he could have given us <laughs> in this difficult time. Horrifying. Horrifying. Like, was he already anesthetized for his <laughs> surgical procedure when he gave that statement? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So, Shipper City, if you feel – if anybody ever comes to you for a statement and you've got some medical shit going on, remember, a simple no comment at this time will always suffice. Absolutely. <laughs> Best medical advice you'll receive this year. <laughs> from, from two doctors. Doctors and lawyers here at Shipper City advise <laughs> do not – do that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. So we so we read some fix this week. We did. I was really fun to go looking for um, for some Buffy fix because I, I haven't ever, I don't think. Except yeah, I don't think I have either. The only I used to read Angel and Cordelia fix back when I was reading angel fan fiction, but never, I never went looking for Buffy. So this was, this was fun. Um, do you want to start with the again, again, again by PPR faith? Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. What did you think of that one? So, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was a good read. Um, I, I think that of any of the people Buffy was with, I would ship her with Spike Yes. So I liked it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I did not necessarily unlike how ha- or unlike geez. I did not necessarily <laughs> like how it undid everything she had gone through. Yeah. And I think that's where I, I landed on that one. Yeah. Um, I like I always like a reincarnation fic. Mm-hmm. Um I I didn't necessarily like that that she was so much more in control this time. Yeah. I really like I, I like it and I like the idea that she, as a you know person in her – I think she was like supposed to be like in her early 30s or whatever when she died. And mm-hmm. the, the premise is Buffy is an older – she's an adult and she's still out there slaying. And she dies and she wakes up on the first day of school uh, back in Sunnydale, age 16, which to me would signify I was in hell. Um, 
because I would mm. never <laughs> – I could never go back to high school if you paid me a million dollars. Yeah. But um, so Buffy goes back to school and she's 16 and she she just starts – it's like the whole thing starts over again. And, uh, and, and it was really cool because she's in – perfect memory she has perfect memory of everything that she already went through so she didn't lose anything and i like that but she did change a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and and one of the things i didn't like that she changed was that she didn't hook up with the scoobies yeah um i did like that she told angel to back the fuck off (laughs) (laughs) that was helpful yeah it was helpful it was was like a good girl (laughs) good girl Because you weren't 16 here and drawn in by his his broody eyes and his overhanging forehead. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked I liked it, but I wish that that there had been – it wasn't – it also wasn't a very long fic. So maybe if it, it had been very long. a longer fic, we would have seen things like her trying to keep the Scoobies out of stuff, but fate being what it is, they get entangled anyway, those kind of things. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, there was a mention of them going to ice cream together. Reasonably, something would have happened in her presence. <laughs> she is Buffy. It's true. But true. yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that that she was trying to to live her life a lot more protective of the people that she used to love and and whatever and had loved in her previous life. Um, so it just seemed like she was gonna be a lot lonelier mm-hmm. and a lot colder in this fic, but we didn't see too much of it. But I mean, I liked it. So, yeah, no, I agree. I liked it. It was a fun read. It was like a little utopian snapshot of what would Buffy create if she could, Mm -hmm. which is everyone. She loves being safe and alive. So it was nice. Yeah. I mean, I think that at at the heart of everything that that's what Buffy always just wanted was everybody to be safe, even if it meant her not being in their lives, which is sad, but yeah, that whole hero sacrifice thing that they love to shove down our throats. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one, we didn't talk about Tara at all, but we read oh, it. Oh, Tara. I know. I feel bad. I can't bad. believe we got that. We love Tara. We this love is, Tara. <laughs> this is not a reflection. We could have done an episode on Tara. This <laughs> is a pro Tara space. We heart Tara McClay. Um, God, t- speaking of humans, even though she was a, a witch and a super powerful one, she was so human. I know. She was so good and so sweet. Yes. And just, ugh. Ugh. Ah! Great Eternals. clothes, too. Great clothes. I would have loved to go shopping. I would have loved to – I'm very, actually very jealous of Willow because it seemed like she did not borrow her girlfriend's clothes enough. Mm-hmm. Even though they kind of shared a similar style, but I was like, listen, the point of being in a relationship with a woman is – to be in a relationship with a woman and also to borrow her clothes. It would have been a benefit for sure. And I think Tara would have had an amazing closet to steal from. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Tara was an absolute tragedy. Mm-hmm. Another very human death. Yeah. Actually, when Willow tried to bring her back and – uh, he said it's a natural death by natural means. Mm-hmm. And she was looking at Tara's body and she was just like, how is this natural? Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. So much pain in that relationship. So much pain in that relationship. But when um, – as much as I didn't like the the new girlfriend that Willow got in – Oh, Yeah. 
the wannabe season slayer. Seven, yeah, the wannabe slayer who was just too tough. Um, Willow needed somebody soft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought, and uh, but when she had to confront all of that grief, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was such a hard episode to watch. She turned into. She turned into the guy who killed Tara yeah. because she was feeling so guilty for accidentally letting her go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, kill me. That's the reason that I'm like, not only that we got Tara, but that I'm like peak happy that Xander and Willow were never yes. end game because she needed her best friend mm-hmm. for that journey specifically. Yes. And he was such an yes. important part of that. Yes. And he saved the world yeah. with his love for Willow. I know. Oh. And then his spinal cord injury. <laughs> but and yeah. then the yellow crayon and then his, his anus and penis broke. And there we are. There we are. And we're back. So yeah. we did read a Willow and Tara fic called Loved and Never Really Lost by either – it's either Igroxbach or Igroxbach. I have no idea. Um, but it's one of those. Mm-hmm. And it is a – it's a five times trope, which which I love. Mm-hmm. So it's like five times that Tara Tara lived. Mm-hmm. And sadly, most of them involve her never meeting Willow. Yeah. Or her leaving Willow when she should have. Mm-hmm. Or when she did, like actually leaving and not hanging around to take care of Dawn. Um, but um, I love a five times fic. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like so you can pack I. a lot. You can pack a lot into them. Mm-hmm. So, what were your thoughts, Briz? I thought it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was because we briefly talked about. I did not rewatch anything before we recorded this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really nice reminder of a lot of the really beautiful things about their relationship with each other, yeah. um, and the great, great important role she played in the Scooby Gang. Yes. Um, so I, I really loved it. I think it's a good read. Recommend to your listeners. Yes, definitely. Well, good. I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah, I thought it was it was short and sweet. Um, and it was a really nice character study of just who Tara was. And and she's one of those she's one of those like Beth like characters, like from Little Women. Mm-hmm. Um, where maybe she's not the most important. She doesn't have a, ma- a major role in everything, but there's she's one of those characters that's in the background that, you know, takes care of everybody quietly. She doesn't ask for anything in return. Um, she doesn't expect anything from anybody. And she's just, she's just, maybe you don't always notice her presence, but the second she wasn't there, it was just like there was a hole, you mm-hmm. know, in the, in the Scoobies and in the, in the little found family. Yeah. And and I think that that really really speaks to you know the actress who played her and just the role herself the the character herself um just how important she was and she was it was a quiet importance which which is nice. Yeah. No, very good read that one. Yes. Um and then the last one I just threw in for fun. Mhm. I loved that one. It was one of my favorites. It's called Watch Out for That Tree by Dalsam. And it is a five times fic as well. Uh, it is five times that Joyce and Giles almost rekindled their flame. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tell me your thoughts, Bruce. <laughs> well, as we've talked about, 
apparently I now have a crush on Giles. Don't know when it started. <laughs> Definitely didn't exist the last time I watched Buffy. Um, so liked it for that reason. Um, had a lot of our favorite parts we talked about, like mm-hmm. the the dynamics between Joyce and Spike and Giles and Spike. Like mm-hmm. lots of great scenes like that. And it was funny and great. And I loved yeah. it. Yeah. I do love the the will they won't they of Joyce and Giles. Um, when they turned into teenagers and <laughs> Giles was a greaser mm-hmm. and Joyce was super into his bad boy image and they had sex on a cop car. <laughs> yeah. It was great. And I also think this is one of the fix that really nailed down that we read today that really nailed down the dialogue in Buffy. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think any perfectly recreated it, but kind yeah. of like the the teeny bopper ridiculousness of Mm -hmm. Buffy's speech with a few words that you're like, should you know those? (laughs) Um, Like I appreciated that aspect of it too. Yeah. Yeah. It it felt very, it felt very true to, true to form for the show and to the characters. And it was just, it was really fun. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's called watch out for that tree. It's five times Joyce and Giles almost rekindled their romance. Uh, So yeah. Um, so I don't know what else we have to say about B- Buffy, but I feel like we really we really did a nice little deep dive. I feel like we did too. I mean, I think that you could have four different episodes about Buffy and you'd still not run out of things to yes. talk about. Yes, but agreed. I'm I'm proud of everything we were able to touch on in this episode. <laughs> Me too. Even though if it's a little morose at times. Maybe. You know what? Shit happens. It was a morose yeah. show sometimes. There was all of Actually, you know what? All of season six is pretty dark. Yeah. Um, which when I, I I think I watched it with Jer, he was like, yeah, that's because Sarah Michelle Gellar really did feel like they dragged her out of her grave to keep doing this show. <laughs> 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 it's like, oh, God damn, you're so right. Yeah. And Buffy will always be entwined with our teen angst. Yes. yes. I mean, your view, your your viewers, your listeners know of of my experience with the Kelly Clarkson song. <laughs> that was the same girl that watched Buffy. <laughs> that was the same girl. That was the same East. That was the same year. It was like yeah. September that happened, and then that Easter you got the Buffy DVDs. So like, yeah, the fact that you know anyone expected like sound mental health, yeah, from that girl. Of course, an episode where we talk about Buffy would would be a bit angsty. <laughs> of course, it would, and it and it should be because, like I said, it was an angsty show. Sometimes mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of the world almost ended a lot of times, and uh, and yeah, but the the main you know the main thing is that you can always you can always stave that off for a little bit. Yeah, as long as you have family and a the good main sense of message. Humor. Yes, as long as you can joke about it and you have your found family. To research things in a in a cozy bookshop for you. Mm-hmm. I was so happy when Giles bought the magic shop. Me too. <sighs> All right. Well, I think I think we've done some some nice little damage. Um, you'll have to come back and talk about Angel because yes. that's that's the one I, I will take full credit for you enjoying. That and CSI Miami. That was all you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done a CSI Miami episode. I've I've hinted at it that I spent a lot of time there. You did, but I've never I've never done a full episode. So all right, all right, Briz, you're just lining them up. 
Britney episodes five, four and five. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> and all of your listeners have turned it off right now. <laughs> We're I'm like, kidding. yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> skip, 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 skip. <laughs> all right. All right. <sighs> Jenks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, you guys have some fix. Uh, I think all of Buffy and Angel are both still streaming on Hulu, I want to say. If you want to watch from the beginning, uh, buckle in, buckle your mind. It will be shocked back to 1996 and you'll remember mm-hmm. all of the things that happened in the mid to late 90s that you didn't want to, including mm-hmm. all of the uh, pleather. Yeah. And the, the bad sh- music. The bad music and the shiny, shiny shirts. <laughs> <laughs> that all the men wore <laughs> oh man shiny shiny shirts very shiny um so so watch with a pair of sunglasses you will need it mm-hmm. and um keep an eye on your own perfect happiness moments guys absolutely <laughs> come with caution because <laughs> you never know <laughs> Oh, God. oh, I wish I could call that the. Like, I wish that could be the episode title. <laughs> I mean, why can't it? It's your show. I guess I. You know what? I could just. I could just spell it the right way. It's supposed to be spelled, and not the, not the porn way. Sure. Um, there we go. There we have it. All right. Uh-huh. Well, Brittany, thank you for joining me. Um, it's a blast as always. Yeah, thanks for having me. Next time I'll brush my hair so that we can film it. We can do video. <laughs> um, this was this was just as fun no matter what. Everybody uh, else um, out in Shipper City, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and above all else, until we meet again, get your ship together. 